0: Whenever you are and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Don't worry, we got you. We'll be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week. Skillshare. ...and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show... ...all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend... ...slash co-host... ...slash nemesis. The guy who joins me in expressing sorrow, grief, and anger... Over the senseless shooting that took three lives and ravaged many others at a Madden tournament today. Our our hearts go out to the victims and the victims' loved ones, of course. Um, We enjoy fictional violence here every week. It's true, but we hope that somehow, some way, this country can find a path out of this pattern of real violence. Right, Christian Spicer?
1: Yeah, I don't have a fix. I don't know what it is, but um, I think it's worth working to one and trying to find one. And also, we're, we're here. Um, uh, my heart goes out to um, Senator McCain's family and his friends and loved ones um, dealing with his passing. And I know uh, it's, a, it's a morning up top. Um, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name because I'm not as big of a theater fan as you are, but a prolific playwright. And Neil Simon. Yeah, yeah, Neil Simon, also passed.
0: Yeah, it's hard, uh, you know, t- talking about violent video games as we do. As I said, uh, we we have fun with with fictional violence on the show every week, and we're often faced with real violence in the real world. And it's hard sometimes to reconcile those things, but it's even harder when it happens in our backyard, in our in our. Uh, in our hobby, uh, the, the people in Jacksonville enjoying a Madden tournament, uh, lost some lost their lives. Others will be changed forever. And that is so, it makes me so angry as, as much as it makes me sad. It makes me even more angry that we have to deal with this all the time. And, uh, I hope, I hope that we can work towards some way out, some solution, Um, but yet here we are again, and I'm sure nothing will change, which is a sad commentary in and of itself. But again, uh, you know, here we are in the video game community dealing with it and every community is being touched by this at some point or another. It's just too common, but we needed to acknowledge it at the top. We're going to have a fun show. We're going to have a lot of, uh, news and a lot of video games to get excited about, many of which involve guns and it's hard. Um, but you can't ignore the fact that this is a scourge that's happening in our country and uniquely in our country. So I had to acknowledge it up top because it's just happening today as we record this. And uh, man, it's horrific in every sense. But like I said, somehow we persevere, we're going to go have a great time, we're going to have a fun show, and uh, it's not the best way to segue into introducing our guest, but we do have an awesome guest, one that I've been looking forward to having on the show for quite a while. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week I'm excited because DLC stands for dries Like Cement. Because from Paste Magazine, oh my God. we have games reporter and assistant editor of Paste Games. Ms. Holly Green is with us for the first time. Hi, Holly.
2: Hi, how's it going?
0: It's going good. Uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a stretch one, but I, I'm kind of proud of it. You know, Paste dries like cement. I'll take it.
2: I don't know. It's not an introduction for Holly Green unless it comes with a really bad joke. So that's, <laughs> that seems fitting somehow.
1: Well, I'm, I'm happy to oblige. Uh, My pitch was delicious like candy paste. If you're, you have a kindergartner. Uh, so. Well,
0: you. Yeah. Well, explains a lot, actually, about you,
1: Christian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too much eating of the paste. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of video games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That is five by five dlc.reddit.com. You can also send us emails at dlcfeedback@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We welcome your comments and questions there as well. But Holly, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: Um, up until I talked to you guys this weekend, I had not heard these rumors um, about this new Xbox program.
0: Yes, uh, it is, it is uh, looking to be more and more likely that it is not just a rumor, but yes, it does definitely fit in the rumor category at the moment. But there are Reports that seem to have some validity that Microsoft is moving toward a new service that they have dubbed Xbox All Access, which will include Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass, and an Xbox One console, all at one monthly fee. So you actually get hardware. This is sort of something akin to a cell phone subscription of, of old, where you would get uh, you know subsidized Uh, hardware along with the service. And that is what Microsoft is, is reportedly moving toward. There will be two versions, a $22 per month version that gets you an Xbox One S, Xbox Live Gold, and Xbox Game Pass. And then a more expensive $35 per month version that bumps you up to an Xbox One X. So this doesn't work out to be a, a huge savings over time. Uh, but you do end up owning the consoles at the end of it. Uh, evidently, uh, you will, you will come out of your two year contract with full ownership of your console. You'll have ostensibly paid full price for it over that time, but it's a payment plan and it gets you, the services that Microsoft has been tatting Xbox Live Gold, of course, sixty dollars per year; Xbox Game Pass, ten dollars per month. We talked about we've talked about this, Christian, you and I, for pff, many years. I mean, I think people on Twitter were telling us that we we talked about it back in the weekend confirmed days, and maybe earlier than that. Uh, and Microsoft tried something similar with the Xbox 360; didn't really catch on, Holly. I'm curious. Are you? Do you feel like this is a positive thing for consumers? Is it something you would get excited about? And do you think it'll give Microsoft a leg up uh, on getting more consoles into people's homes?
2: Well, that's a good question because I, as I read through it, I my first question was kind of, uh, what's the motivation here, and kind of what do they think is the problem with getting xboxes into people's living rooms and is this how they're trying to solve that problem and if so are they really necessarily listening to consumers because on one hand you know payment plans can be good for folks on a budget and i and i don't want to knock that at all i do worry you know if the value is going to come out you know to comparing the price of the console and and you're getting additional services as well but you know I would like to sit down with my calculator and find out what that that cost is going to come to. Um, when I think about the reasons why people wouldn't have an Xbox, um, price isn't the first thing that comes to mind for me, to be honest. Um, when I think about all the gaming options I have in my home and how many consoles get played and which ones are getting played the most frequently, um, for me, that value is still going to come down to exclusives and i and i hate saying that but exclusive games um when it comes to your consoles are are obviously going to provide you know that major value there and when i think about why i play my ps4 a lot more than the xbox i think about horizon zero dawn and i think about god of war when i think about reasons i would never want to give up my xbox i think of cuphead you know and i think of dance central and things like that um I recognize I might be a little out of touch with the regular consumer in the sense that I have all the consoles and I have to prioritize those. And for a lot of people, they have to make those decisions a little bit more carefully. Um, So in that sense, uh, accessibility to an an expensive console is a good thing overall. Um, I I wonder if Microsoft is doing this more because they're still worried about getting, um, you know, their higher priced, flashier model into into people's hands as well, um, which is another one of those things I don't I don't really know how much that appeals to me personally. Um, So, yeah, um, I I think this is an interesting rumor. I certainly didn't see it coming. I don't know how necessary it is, but at the same time, am I in touch with the regular consumer base? I'm, I'm not entirely sure.
0: Well, you make good points about exclusives. I think if, if this was married with a, a stronger slate of exclusives, it certainly would would pack a bigger wall-up. But, you know, the Xbox Game Pass, I think, is a pretty value-heavy uh, proposition. I mean, yes, the, the exclusives aren't as numerous, perhaps, and maybe even not as high-profile, but you've got, you know... Um, uh, sea of Thieves, you've got State of Decay, you've got your Forzas, you've got your Halos. They just announced the Halo Master Collection is going to Xbox Game Pass with Xbox One X um, added added you know fidelity and and 4K resolutions. There's a lot of stuff here, and the Xbox Game Pass is just chock full of games. So if you're a a, a person who is more reluctant to fork out 400 bucks to get yourself an Xbox or 300 bucks or whatever, 250 whatever it is. And you think, well, hey, 22 bucks a month gets me a box to play it on and a whole bunch of games. I think that's a pretty potent value proposition for a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it moves the needle as far as, um, you know, competition with Sony per se, but I think this is a pretty amazing proposition for consumers. Um, Yeah,
2: you know, I'm thinking it's possible as a kind of an introductory console as well for someone who isn't interested in, you know, going through the labor of amassing a personal game library and that sort of thing. Um, I could see, again, where the game pass would come in and be a high value as well.
0: Yeah. Christian, uh, as I mentioned, you and I have been talking about this back, you know, when we all looked at our cell phone plans and went, hey, wouldn't this worked for video games, it seemed like a no brainer, you know, seven, eight years ago. And now it's finally sort of maybe viable. You think this is going to succeed?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think <clears throat> I think they're maybe doing it now for a different reason than why they did it during the Xbox 360 era. I think now it's potentially a um, putting their toes in the water for the rumored Scarlet consoles and where you'll be kind of, you know, in that situation. Maybe there's a version where it's 60 bucks a month and you're getting you're getting a cable box, you know, or whatever they want to pitch it to you. So they're just testing it out. I know that um, if I were well, looking, I, I, I don't
0: think you can go 60 bucks a month if you give them if you're giving people an Xbox One X at 35 a month that they own at the end of it. I mean, I think that's pretty amazing. I don't think well,
1: I'm, go- I'm saying like not a two year contract. I don't know oh, what it is. I I'm, I'm just spit like whatever Scarlet is, you know, whatever it ends up being. Um, But yeah, whatever that, that value, you know, that price point that they come up with. But I think if this gets reintroduced, my gut would tell me that they'd be doing it to kind of test those waters again. Um, And if I were in the market for an Xbox, I think the only hard part about that, I was going to say, I think I would do this. The hard part about it is, In two years, are you going to still be wanting to pay for this thing, even though you haven't paid full price yet? Like if in two years, if the PS5 is out and the Xbox Scarlet is out or whatever it is, then you feel a little like, Oh, I'm still paying 35 bucks for this thing. I don't use anymore. The other side of that coin though is when, you know, the Twitter ran the math for me. Um, it's like a, a couple of bucks savings over buying the stuff at MSRP, the console, uh, Game Pass, and Xbox Live. And um just a couple of bucks savings is a great no-interest loan. And I'd certainly rather acquire an Xbox this way than charging it up to my credit card if I'm not paying my credit card bill in full every month, right? Like, that's huge interest that you're paying. So now you're paying more than what it is. And it seems like a great way to get into the ecosystem if that's what you're looking to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Uh, I think you make a lot of very strong points, but I would I would disagree that, well, first of all, plenty of people get it, got into two-year plans on their phones when phones were coming out every 15 minutes, especially on the Android side, right? So I don't think there are people that are going to buy the new Xbox day one that are jumping in now because those are the people like you and me who bought this Xbox day one, right? So it feels less like a, a buyer's remorse Potential because they're getting people that have been waiting around already so I don't think those people are like itching to jump into whatever the next Xbox is if, if it's less than two years away if it if it isn't I mean if it is less than two years away though nothing to stop them from saying hey rolling it over we're rolling it over are you already at thirty five bucks a month we're we'll grandfather you into the new new service especially if the new version of the hardware the thing that's actually being plugged into your television is priced at a trivial price point. If it's not a $300 machine, if it's a, you know, $60 little doohickey, then I think to them, I think you're right. It is all about getting into purchasing habits with their audience. And if you're already paying 35 bucks a month for Xbox, basically a subscription to Xbox and their entire next console is built around a subscription to Xbox, well, it already is normalized. It's already the way you you experience it. And I think it does prevent them from going too far above 35 bucks. If if I got 35 bucks a month and it, it got me a physical $300 machine, $400 machine, whatever the Xbox One X is now, uh, at the end of it, and the next Xbox comes out and there is no $300, $400 box at the end of it. It's just a subscription. I don't think you can go much higher than $35. I think this is Microsoft targeting their price point. And, uh, I'm, I, for one, I think that's a pretty impressive price point. I will say if you get 35 bucks a month gets you not only the ability to play games streamed, but a whole bunch of games, including every Microsoft first party game day and date, that's impressive. I can't argue with that being impressive. I think that's a pretty bold move. Holly, what do you think?
2: Well, I think it's really hard to estimate exactly the value of that available library, but I agree that it is humongous. (laughs) So what it comes out to over the two years, um, and I'm thinking roughly in my head here, I, I can see it being of value to some people. I do wonder, however, if this is what to think of that two-year part and the timing of their next console. I guess that's the, the part that's up in the air to me. It's kind of one of those, I would like a soft commitment from Microsoft when they say, you know, people who who sign up for the two years aren't going to feel the sting when that yeah. announcement for the next one is made, you know, I yeah, end I, up
0: having two payments potentially that would, that would be rough. Yeah.
2: Right. Because if, even if there was that rollover into the next thing, it's like, well, then how do you deal with the old hardware and getting that exchanged out? it sounds like it'd be this huge mess. So, um, you know, if it works out for the consumer in terms of that library, making up for the value in terms of what you're essentially overpaying for your console, um, which is not what that really is, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, how could I not be supportive of that, right? Because when we talk about how many games are available there, it's like, hey, I could stand to catch up on some things, you know. So Yeah, I mean,
0: over 100 games with uh, Xbox Game Pass, is pretty. it's pretty impressive, I think. Uh, I definitely agree with you, though, that, that the underlying problem with all of this, and one that Microsoft seems to have, have identified, is... You gotta have more games, you gotta have more first party games, you gotta have more exclusives. And, you know, they announced at E3 this last year that, uh, you know, they've acquired all these studios to sort of start working on that, to churn out games. We're just early on in that process. It's gonna be a, a couple of years before that happens. So, uh, I think if, you know, if, if this puts pressure on Sony to do something like that, mm. I, if this is where the market is going, I'm hard pressed to find a downside to this option. I know a lot of people uh, look at cell phone two year contracts as sort of this indentured servitude of, (laughs) of bad deal, you know, that you're sort of leveraging, you're on, you're on a, you know, you're on a payment plan that you've locked yourself into and you don't have any freedom, but I think it offers a pretty uh, low entry point, low barrier of entry from many people on a budget.
2: See, that that part I am very supportive, the accessibility factor and anything that we can do that is making people even talk about or think about affordability and accessibility in that sense. Um, you know, I'm really supportive of. But um Chris, e- Oh no, go excuse ahead. me. Go ahead. Oh no, just going back to the games library, um too, I, I kinda wonder if there will be a time when people look back at something like this, like a subscription service and say, This was better for me in terms of what I own media-wise anyways, because I'm looking at my old games libraries, even just around in my living room right now, the stuff that you know, I thought I wanted to own at the time, I will never play again, even the stuff I own digitally, and it's like, yeah, there's stuff that I probably could have just rented, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, now, and now I'm stuck with the media on my shelves, gathering dust, and I feel too guilty to throw it away, and right. so, I, so in that sense, uh, maybe this is more appealing than I initially thought. <laughs>
0: I had a, uh, a party this weekend. My son turned two and we had a little birthday party for him. And uh, in getting ready for that, I sort of organized the stuff in my living room, my, my little shelves that have all my disc-based games. And I realized that I have like three or four shelves of Xbox 360 PS3 games and like five – total ps4 xbox one games because everything i get is is digital only at this point it's weird it's like there's this line in the sand of my visual library that you can see a demarcation point you know, it's, it's pretty funny.
2: It's the same exact way in my house. And I, I think that's why I feel a little weird about it in the sense that, oh, my goodness, I know my taste in games are so much better than what I see on the shelf right now. <laughs> but, you know, you can't take a picture of your Steam library and put it up on your shelf. So there you go.
0: <laughs> hey, that's a great Etsy idea. Somebody has to come up with a, a stylish way to display your Steam library. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Christian, how about you? What's your story of the week?
1: Well, it's it's a larger conversation, but it comes out of Miyamoto's comment saying that Nintendo has committed to fixed price for games. This is all, it's a couple of different comments coming out at at a little bit of different times. Um, So at the Computer Entertainment Developers Conference, the quote was about the size of their market. So the quote, we're lucky to have such a giant market. So our thinking is if we can deliver games at reasonable prices to as many people as possible, we will see big Profit, and that is talking about sticking with fixed priced games, i.e., you buy the game um, versus the free to play model where you, you buy the game is free, and then it's a bunch of microtransactions that you know provide the revenue for the developer and publisher. And this is after um, Reggie talked about loot boxes and saying that um, they kind of got a bad rap, and he compared them to baseball cards. And so it's kind of like this push and pull I feel between two of the most visible um, executives at that company talking about um, their model for getting games into consumers' hands, kind of as we were talking about with Microsoft, uh, the last story. And also, I think it's interesting with these comments and not necessarily drilling down and and understanding the relation with, um, I believe it's DNA as their mobile partner for their mobile games, but it's like, we're going to, Miyamoto, we're going to deliver fixed-cost games then if you look back, I'm I'm making up the time here, but you know, eight months ago, Super Mario Run wasn't a failure, but we're seeing great opportunities in um, Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem, which is not a fixed-price game and is a mobile free-to-play with a bunch of microtransactions. So I feel as if, uh, Jeff, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they're kind of trying to draw as a distinction, perhaps, between their console business and their mobile business, but it seems as if... They're still not exactly sure which side of the line they fall on. Tell me how I'm wrong, Jeff.
0: No, I think you're right. And I think they make a big point, in, in, even in his comments, to say, other people make our mobile games. It's right. not us. Yeah. Um, Just like and he says, <laughs> Miyamoto said... It's necessary for developers to learn to get along with subscription-style services. He says, when seeking partners for this, it's important to find someone who understands the value of your software. The customers feel the value in your apps and software and develop a habit of paying money for them. So they're like saying, yeah, well, you know, we're going to let our characters be in this kind of stuff, but it's not for us.
1: It's not uh, for us, but if you look at the game, it says Nintendo when you view the app <laughs> yeah. store. Oh,
2: we're gonna take a cut.
1: <laughs> but. It's having their cake and eating it too, right, Holly? <laughs> like that's the.
2: <laughs> I, I think that i you know, I would agree with that in the sense that Nintendo is very classically risk adverse. And I can see how, you know, a free to play model to them um, would be very scary. Whereas on mobile, well, well, that thing just prints money. And we all know that. Right. <laughs> um, and as you said, it's kind of this like, for instance, Niantic handles Pokemon Go and stuff like that. It's, um, you know, where there's any failures that they don't have to take direct um you know, responsibility for that in terms of the hit to their image or any of that. So in that sense, it is kind of having your cake and eating it too. Um, honestly, I can't be too hard on them if they don't want to go free to play model for their console based games in the sense that, you know, everyone's got their model that works for them and it's not working. If that would not work for what Nintendo does with the level of micromanagement and how they handle their first party titles. Um well, my
0: my question to you, though, Holly and and both of you is uh, from your perspective, right, from the gamers perspective, do you appreciate this? Right. Are you are you much happier paying sixty dollars for Mario Tennis Aces or would it have been better to to, you know, pay for new rackets and new courts and new, you know, do you want a fixed price from Nintendo or do you think that that actually is less of a value proposition?
2: You know, looking at the fixed price, it's so funny. I was just watching Simpsons this morning and there was that episode where Bart is begging for a new video game from his mom. And this is from the early 90s. And she was like, video games are upwards of 60 $70. And I'm like, wow, when we talk about how much video games have just stayed at the same price over the years, even as development costs have just skyrocketed. We're really not kidding. So I feel like a lot of the time, this fixed price that we get is a lot more value than we really understand sometimes. Um, You know, I, again, I'm sometimes not in touch with the regular consumer base because I'm an adult and I don't have to worry about whether or not the game I'm playing base-wise is free. Um, when I think about, you know, let's go back to Mario Tennis Aces for a second here. And I think about, oh, well, what if the base game was free and I paid for these additional things? It, I wonder at that point, if that's the model you're designing your game around, are you creating a base identity for that game to rally around? That's something that you can hold in your hands and feel? Or is it just like you can feel all the aesthetic DLC just kind of surrounding it. And that's just overwhelming it. And that's just the thing. That's, I think that's my concern is how are you designing the game based on how it's monetized? I think
0: that is so t- totally on point. I think that is exactly the concern with all this stuff, right? Is that you don't get potentially, I you know, Nintendo hasn't done it, so maybe they would do it differently, but it seems to me you don't get a giant sprawling Breath of the Wild or a giant sprawling Mario Odyssey on that model, right? That's just not conducive to getting people to meet out their money over time and keep paying the way you make those games is you ask for a big number right away and upfront. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the games themselves would change as we have seen with free to play games, free to play games are fundamentally different experience, uh, than, you know, traditional buy it upfront games, so maybe that would affect Nintendo adversely. Maybe that would make you would feel it, like you're saying.
2: Yeah, I, and to use a related, not exact example, but something that's somewhat like this. Um, if you look at some early access titles, for example, my big example here, Ark Survival Evolved. You've, uh, this is a game where the the developers have, have outright stated we have no game design doc. Okay, everything that they've done in this process leading up to official release um, has been directed by their community and not from their core sensibilities spread outwards. They're taking the direction, um, you know, from the outside going in. As a result, if you play the game, I don't know if you've played it. And it's something that you really can't play without a group because it has no structure. And without the structure, you have a really hard time staying on track or being motivated or focused to go from point A to point B. I mean, the game isn't even very direct about telling you what you should be doing or that there's even or that there's even plot elements or greater goals that you be, could be going after. And I I feel like that is a result of the fact that they were able to design this game that was good enough, you know, and people were still buying it and they just stop short of how much structure really needed to be there in order for it to be a good crafting survival game. Um, so when I think about the free to play stuff, I think about that as well. When you're doing this incremental game design thing little bit by little bit and you're, when you're maybe taking too much direction from the community to the point where you don't have your own internal foundation where you're coming from. And I think that shows up in game design. Um, I think the player feels it. It feels like a more shallow experience as a result. Um, I'm kind of that person that um, I'm like a, a monotheist when it comes to games where I feel like there should just be like one major core designer and they have people who are on board with their vision. And I, you know this unit. Well, you know it makes this-
0: sense that Miyamoto Miyamoto would be the one giving this this because he's the closest to God there is. in video <laughs>
2: <game>. <laughs> Right. I mean, I feel like if you don't have at least one singular unified vision that you're working from, your game is going to come off having as scatter of a focused attention as as there was making it. And when I think about game design by committee <laughs> by your audience, I, that, I think about those free to play models and those e- those uh, early access models. Uh, you know, I don't know if those are always the games I'm going to want to give a chance. You know,
1: There's two examples that are both sides of this coin. I think one is Marvel Champions is, is their uh, app, their phone free-to-play game that is under currently still a pretty big player base revolt because it feels like they're being nickel and dimed too much. And there's not really a clear way forward. And they're at, they keep going after whales instead of appealing to the majority of players um, with like a Nick Fury event and, and the cost it takes to get the characters you need and to level them up and this, that, and the other. And I think that's the example that Nintendo would push back against. But then there is the biggest game in the world that is a free to play game. It seems to have a very clear vision of where it's going and what it's doing, and it's Fortnite. So I I feel like you the you, vision though is a big cube that's slowly marching its way across the <laughs> map. <laughs> well, it was it's it's that now it's with lightning bolts, but it wasn't it wasn't that earlier. And it seems like there's some form of a design doc in terms of this grant, but maybe not. But it's I mean I feel like when people talk about free to play games, and there are others too that kind of fit the Fortnite model in terms of its monetization it is still a stigmatized topic Mm -hmm. um but i think we're starting to see more and more versions of that model that are profitable for the developer and not stigmatized in the same way that you know oh pay five dollars and i'll finish this thought if you want to hear the rest of this pay me five dollars you know like that approach to things and so
0: well i think that you bring up a really good point christian in the sense that when it tends to work and when these games seem to be a little more cohesive with what holly's talking about with d- a design perspective that doesn't feel betrayed by its monetization strategy it's when they are multiplayer focused games and guess what nintendo tends not to make you know multiplayer focused games right that they do have the splatoons of the world and and the super smash brothers is of the world but in the mario tennis and the mario kart yeah, I guess you're right, but it feels like uh, the games Miyamoto is working on, the ones he's talking about <laughs> from personal experience, he's not making League of Legends, he's not making Fortnite. You know, he's he's making these big games that make more sense to uh, charge you one fee up front because they're done. Yeah. And uh, I, I, maybe he's a maybe he's just got an old school perspective that's that's being phased out, but. Uh, I think I think Nintendo as Holly has pointed out, you know, blazes its own trail with regard to this stuff too.
2: Yeah, and a lot of that's born out of their caution. I mean, look how long it took them to get on the DLC model even in the first place. And then you look at the games that do have DLC and they're largely trivial or aesthetic or, you know, just these things that <sighs> Then you look at other games you know here in the West that do DLC and you get like whole extra narrative chapters and whole new worlds and all these things and and Nintendo's a little different in that sense um you know and and not that I don't even support that I mean if people don't want it they don't have to buy it it's not a big deal I'm kind of probably one of the most vocal people when it comes to being against loot boxes but I believe that players have a very unique relationship um, between themselves and their self perception and the avatars they play in digital worlds and in that sense um, self-expression becomes very important it becomes very fun and so you know as far as aesthetic dlc goes i actually think it's really fun and i'm totally supportive of models that are built on selling that stuff but it's okay that it doesn't work for nintendo if they don't want to do it you know what i mean i think it works better for them
0: Uh, we should probably move on but i I do want to have i've just come to another question that i would like to pose to both of you uh christian i think you brought up uh, uh you know a good point and i wonder let's just take super smash brothers ultimate Mm -hmm. as the example right here's a game that is just bursting with content it is it is overflowing with bits and bobs that all could have easily been whittled off and sold individually you don't have the game doesn't have to ship with 102 stages you could it could have shipped with 80 and then they could have sold you 20 of them whatever you know it's it easily could fit, I think, l- less obnoxiously into a free-to-play model. Do you guys think that it's if we had, you know, e- either gone the sort of Street Fighter Five route where you pay a, a lower, you know, initial fee and then they sell things to you over time, or there's a version of Super Smash Brothers that's legit free and they sell you characters, skins, stages. Maybe not stuff that is, you know, pay to win, but it's more along the lines of what we like from these things. Like, Holly, you're talking about like expression, uh, cosmetic items. Does that, is that better? Is that something you would prefer? Christian, what do you think?
1: I think if the, if a full. <laughs> The short answer is no, uh, the, but to your hypothetical, the short answer is no, I, but I do think there is a version of smash that would support this. And I think the way they would do it would be echo characters would maybe be, you know, purchasable, but I think when you get skins into skins and costumes yeah, and yeah, yeah, skin, Alternate skins, maybe victory poses, things like that would, could be purchasable. And I think very profitable for a Nintendo, um, for better or worse, that isn't the game that smash brothers is. So it's, I, I, they have sold DLC in the past, certainly. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh there's a version of that game that works very well as a free to play game. I think, um, you know, it, balance character balance and fighting games and stuff like that creates issues for how you approach it, but someone will crack that nut and they'll do it and they'll do it well. And it will be a hit <laughs> is my Spisterdam prediction. <laughs>
0: What do you think, Holly, is it – would you prefer to get – I mean, I know you said you're in a unique situation, but do you think it's preferable to get a free Super Smash Brothers and then have free-to-play aesthetics pasted onto it?
2: Um, You know, I think the fighting game community in general is a great model for them to look to, actually, when it comes to DLC. There are a lot of – (laughs) there are a lot of examples of what to do and what not to do. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, I do think things like alternate costumes or alternate, Victory poses and stuff like that. Great idea. I'm totally into it. I do think at the end of the day, a game like Smash needs to have that big base foundation. Everyone gets all the same characters kind of a thing. Like there needs to be this idea that we're all starting on the same level. We all have access to the same characters, um, to the same move sets, all of that. We just... There needs to be that idea. This is a completely level playing field. So right. that needs to be intact, no matter how they end up doing any et cetera for smash. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: All right. Oh, I, I thought that was a great discussion and I appreciate you guys indulging me. Um, I will say my story of the week Well, I'm going to do two. One's a little, just a little fun, quick one. And that is uh, evidently in an interview with someone from uh, VG24.com game director at BioWare of the upcoming Anthem, Jonathan Warner had this exchange with his interviewer, interviewer. Will there be a beta Warner? A what? A beta, a demo. Yes, you're going to have opportunities to play the game early, and we will talk about that at PAX. Oh, you say a demo. So will it be a beta or a demo? Well, I think there's some weirdness in there. We're going to be testing the game in closed alphas, and then the stuff that's out to the public is a demo. Because betas are often close to launch, right? Yeah. I love this Christian because you and I literally just did a whole episode of our other now defunct show uh, on it. Uh, it was a, it was a soft launch that was a little too soft. Let's just say that. Um, and uh, we did a whole episode about this about what's a beta and what's a demo. And I just I just tickled me this exchange with Jonathan Warner actually being honest that betas are demos. There's no beta in the beta. It's a demo. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to comment, you can, or we can move on to my actual story of the week.
2: <laughs> oh no, uh, I'm just wondering how significant the difference in language really is. I mean, when I think about a demo, I think of something that is delivered just with this expectation of it's closed off and it's polished. Whereas beta, there's this expectation that you're testing out a very buggy situation. But they right. they may have reasons behind the scenes why would, they would want to draw that line between beta and demo. So I guess well, I think
0: his I think the the point I'm inferring from this is that 90% of the time when you hear a AAA game that's going to have a, a beta like a month before the game comes out it ain't a beta it's a demo mm-hmm. it's a it, they have polished it they know there's no bug tracking they're not worried <laughs> about that it's not about well let's just put it out to the audience and see how it goes no 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 it's it, it is a pure marketing uh, expense, expenditure. It is a pure marketing um, piece of content that is there to be a demo.
2: Well, I I think I can agree with you a little bit on that, but also, it sounds like you haven't played as many really bad demos, or excuse me, betas as I have, so lucky you! <laughs> <laughs>
0: fair enough, fair enough. Uh, all right, so uh, I will do another kind of weird thing and make my story of the week this week the same as my story of the week was <laughs> last week, and that is Christian, your video card is garbage. (laughs) Throw it in the garbage. Your video card belongs in a trash can because now there's new video cards Nvidia officially announced. We talked about this a little bit last week. Christian wasn't here. Welcome back, by the way. Uh, Christian I'm sorry to so- have
1: missed the best episode ever.
0: <laughs> it was. It was. you In the first two minutes, people were complimenting me. It was great. It's nothing to like To be it.
1: fair, we had a whole bit worked out that time prohibited making happen, but it was I really a great wish. episode. We're going to have to do this at, at some point. You'll have to miss
0: another episode so we can do it. it really Who wasn't. says I'm here right now? That's a very good point. Uh, barely here. Anyway, um, and, Nvidia announced the 2080 line of video cards with real-time ray tracing. Uh, basically everything we predicted last episode uh, was pretty accurate. There were there were significant leaks that all turned it out, turned out to be correct. Um, so you know it, it's not any new news, but Holly, I are you a PC gamer or a console gamer? I'm in, PC mostly? gamer. Yeah, so that's what I thought. So. What do you think about these new cards? Are you chomping at the bit to get one? Are you going to get one? Uh, do you think that they're exciting? What do you think?
2: Okay, so what was their last model? Their exact the last one? Okay.
0: 1080 Ti was the most That's, the one. That's the one. Okay. Yeah.
2: So six months ago, my husband, for my birthday, decided to get me a new rig without asking me. Now, normally this is huge drama, right? But um, he ended up... Um, gosh it, it's 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 quite it's quite a piece of equipment and it's got two of those bad boys in it two of the ten Whoa. yes and so it was one of those
0: we must really like you
2: oh we've been together almost 12 years so <laughs> um yeah so it was one of those things where it was like sweetheart i appreciate this (laughs) but this is overkill i don't even think someone like me needs two of these bad boys in there and come to find out it was basically this elaborate trickle down scheme he had where you know our other pcs were going to get grandfathered out to be used as servers and other things and so
1: yeah now we're talking
2: right this is this is the house i live in um so (laughs) so i'm very appreciative of how beautiful these two 1080 Ti's are in in my rig. I I'm I'm that person that I feel like we're reaching this ceiling graphically. That I I don't know how much more I really need to be satisfied.
0: So really, I, for me, that that ceiling is indistinguishable from real life.
2: Yeah. See, I don't know if I need that. You know, like
0: I mean, you don't want to you don't want to play a video game that looks like a movie.
2: It's just not a priority for me. Like I. Okay. I, just, it's just, I mean, just I, wanna,
0: a- I want a holodeck. That's, anything <laughs> okay. sort of holodeck is, okay, see, needs more tech. Okay, see, we're, Okay. <laughs> see.
2: clearly we are as a society moving towards that. That is the big goal. But I feel like we're addressing that in VR. When it comes to the stuff that's on my screen, you know, it's just not a deal breaker for me. There's lots of stuff that I play that doesn't look anything close to reality, and I'm totally fine with that. You know, stylized thing, artistic things, uh, cartoon sure, things. Sure, sure, I agree you know. with that. Um, I just feel like we're just getting to this point where I can't be – too arsed to worry about it anymore. I know that sounds <laughs> that sounds terrible, but at the same time, it's it's expensive keeping up. And I live in a house where we have we we have the means to keep up, and we have the my husband has the interest, but for me personally, I'm the one putting the brakes on. Like I, I don't know, I don't want to get locked into this thing where every single one of my electronics, I I feel like I have to upgrade every six months. It's a little expensive as it is, um, you know. So. It's just one of the things, like, I think internally i can put the brakes on it a little bit and say you know what my expectations do not need to be so high and by high i mean expensive <laughs> yeah I you. you know and you're
0: a you're a you're a better person than we are because uh christian and i don't feel alive unless we're buying something,
2: so <laughs> well I, mean, I feel the same way it's just applied to other things like my shoes but you know um, <laughs> Fair but those i get to wear and other people could admire them and you know when i'm playing video games it's just me in front of the thing and i just don't know that it improves my experience at all in order to to be able to see it more clearly. Now, where I do get really tough is when it comes to video games graphics uh, with textures. You know, that's my big thing where I'm just like, ah, these textures are all garbage. But, you know, getting these double 1080 Ti's in my rig hasn't necessarily improved that at all because I did a before and after test on Far Cry 5. I mean, come on, Far Cry 5, right? Far Cry 5. And, And my husband's like, oh isn't it so much better and i'm like i can't tell (laughs) i can't yeah and maybe i'm just not trying hard enough but i don't know there's some only so many hours in the day so
1: (laughs) i I feel like what other pc gamers are maybe yelling in their cars right now holly is 4k 60 4k 60 we need reliable 4K resolution, 60 frames per second of Far Cry 5 or any game I throw at it, whether it's an animated, stylized or photorealistic, and until I can drive every game at traditional max settings at 4K 60, I'm not happy. The hard part about that argument is once you achieve 4K 60 in max settings for a current game, another game will come out Mm -hmm. (laughs) that will push the envelope further where you're not able... Because I can run um halo combat evolved the pc version at 4k i'm you know whatever pick an old game right and you can you can go bananas on it um but trying to run the latest and greatest is is more difficult what i spent all
0: week this week playing world of warcraft and my little fps counter got up to like over 200 Mm -hmm. i was like i got i I think i'm i think i'm overkill on this (laughs) 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 i think i uh like 200 FPS is a little more than I need. I thought level cap settings. was. I thought level cap was 120. Yeah, baby. On, I got more frames than I got levels.
1: <laughs> Always um, have
0: more frames than levels.
1: Jeff, we, we 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 can tell people that we we both pre-ordered uh 2080 Ti, right?
0: We both did because we are both uh, uh, hollow and empty inside and <laughs> need to be <laughs> filled with the uh, the newest, latest, best. At least that's me. I won't speak for you.
1: I haven't. I. I haven't committed to keeping it. I'm waiting for (laughs) realistic benchmarks. The first thing I did as I pre-ordered it, as I said, uh, I had two windows up. I think you're like, what are you doing? And I was like, one page is refreshing for pre-order. The other is refreshing for the return policy. Um, (laughs) um, I I think ray tracing looks incredible. The demos they showed, it looks amazing. I don't know if when I'm running around in Battlefield, if I will see, if I will be like, oh, man, uh, we're getting, hold on. Let me look at this soldier's eye
0: there's yeah. the
2: explosion
0: <laughs> where do, yeah in what universe do i need a muzzle flash
1: reflected in the eyeballs of the soldiers i don't i don't but that's what no. i'm mean, saying guys a, that's what i'm saying apparently apparently our world jeff is is, is the world in which yeah. uh we need that um i think ray tracing real-time ray tracing looks incredible I'm curious to see traditional benchmarks. I think the thing that came out of the NVIDIA conference was the, and understandably so, like these cards are doing something on a consumer level that have never been possible before. So we need a new way to measure it. And they came out and they're like, this is <laughs> infinity times faster than a 1080 because a 1080 can't do ray tracing. Um, the people want to see those traditional benchmarks. And they released a 2080 versus 1080. Um, but then there were rumors that Tomb Raider with ray tracing turned on was only running at 30 frames per second. And so there's still a lot of, um, you know, rubber to hit road that we need to see to see how much of a traditional upgrade these cards are over the others. And then whether or not, ray tracing is worth the sacrifice and then how many games use it and use it well but i'm running a 980 ti right now and i'm very excited uh i mean i'm probably gonna keep it but i haven't decided (laughs) just yet (laughs) So what you're saying,
0: Christian, is that I can have this be my story of the week, third week in the row next week.
1: Uh, uh, probably, yeah. Because we're going to get actual <laughs> benchmarks.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's get to the games we've been playing. Uh, but first, I want to talk about our sponsor, Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace before because I've been using Squarespace for over a decade. Uh, and happily so. Anytime anybody in my family or my friends asks me because I'm the internet guy hey, I need to make a website. What do I do? I go, ah, easy. Squarespace. Go to Squarespace. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me because I'm in fact sending them right then. Uh, And Squarespace makes it so easy to have a great looking website, makes it so easy to update your website, keep it tip top shape. So much of what you have to do to make a website Is done for you. There's no, there's no, uh, nothing to upgrade ever, no back end to have to worry about. It's all handled for you. Built in search engine optimization and the crafting of the website, how it looks, the end user experience is so simple to make look great. You have the ability to make it yourself. And do so with easy-to-use tools. You start with templates that they have professionally designed that are gorgeous. But then you can make those templates your own in such simple ways. It's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. The kind of editing that you would want to do. You don't have to learn any HTML. You don't have to know any coding. You just make your beautiful new website yourself. Plus, you can drop in e-commerce if you want to sell something online. It's so simple to to turn it into a storefront. It's amazing. Uh, You can customize everything. They've got analytics. They've got free and secure hosting. 24-7 award-winning customer support if you ever run into any issues. Anytime you need anything online, showcasing your work, publishing a blog, doing anything, anything, use Squarespace. It's just the best. It's really just the best. So head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. For a free trial, and then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code JeffSentMe, all one word, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. So, thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and DLC. They have supported me personally for over a decade, uh, and, you know, they are a service that I am proud, proud to recommend. Uh, Squarespace is great. Squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe, and that promo code JeffSentMe. Ooh, what you playing this? week? could tell us. Ooh, what you playing this? week? could tell us on the playlist. Time to talk about the games on our playlists. Holly, what, what you been playing?
2: Wow, I have almost exclusively been playing Graveyard Keeper. When I say exclusively playing Graveyard Keeper, I mean that's all I'm doing with my life right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On your double 1080 TIs, you're playing graveyard. I know. I love it.
2: Right? It's, oh, it's so worth it. Oh, it just runs so fluidly as I'm planting (laughs) carrots. Um, This is such a great game. I've heard
0: very good things about this game. Yeah. So,
2: Right after I came back from E3, I had this like rebellious moment where I was like, I'm going to play a game I want to play that is completely irrelevant. I have no reason to write or talk about it right now. I'm just going to play it just for fun. Because when you play as much as I do and write and all these essays and all this criticism, it just, it, that line between work and fun becomes so blurred. And so this is kind of the only way I get to enjoy a game is if it's completely irrelevant. Um, so at that time it was still, um, In it's like early access beta phase. And so there was a lot of stuff not implemented yet. And um, so they just had the official release on the 15th. Um, My new file already has 50 hours on it. Ooh. Yeah. You're into it. Yeah. And that, and that, actually even happened partially while I was at QuakeCon. I actually took my laptop down to the bar at the resort during QuakeCon and and was playing Graveyard Keeper um, while I was at the bar. I was just having that much fun.
1: Someone's got to keep all those corpses that get piled up in all those id games. You know, you were doing a service.
2: Actually, actually, I'm kind of digging that theory right now. That actually fits with the narrative of the game. Um, (laughs) It has what I like to call a corpse economy. At this point, I'm getting really, really good at it. Um, do you guys play crafting survival games at all? Uh,
0: I dabble here and there. They're not my not my jam, but I, I've i played a few of them. Um, does this feel a little like Stardew Valley or anything like that? I
2: actually wrote an article literally entitled Graveyard Keepers Better Than Stardew Valley. <laughs> and oh, wow. my friend Vivian called it Goth Dew Valley, which I actually really appreciate. <laughs> I really Very like good. that. Yeah, so... I, I actually like it a lot more than Stardew Valley. I think it's um I like its systems better, I like its subject matter better, but it's very dark and cynical and sarcastic and very irreverent and funny. And um on top of that, if you like crafting games, this one is really a butt buster. I mean <laughs> it really I mean it's just got you going at all times. And so when I mentioned earlier that I've been just like buried under all these guides and stuff that I'm writing right now. That's largely why I just kind of, um, you know, I enjoy uh, doing guides and stuff like that, just helping to dissect a game and help other players. And so it's kind of fun that I get to monetize that every once in a while. And, um, you know, it, it's a challenge having to be the first person out there figuring stuff out for everybody else. Cause you're like, but I need to Google this. I, I don't have the answer for this, you know, <laughs> but that being said trial and error process aside this is a really really fun dark game and um so i think in terms of the the gardening aspects and stuff it's not a strong stardew valley but it's got the you know this corpse economy like i mentioned um you're managing a graveyard and church and those have a running score and those are based on um not the number of bodies you have buried but rather the individual score of each based on the quality of the body and that can be determined by the number of organs it has like for example (laughs) so you get a body delivered about three times a week right It goes down into your morgue. You put it up on your autopsy table and you could take out certain parts at that point. Some of them will degrade the corpse further. Some of them will improve the quality of the corpse. And these parts can be used for different things. So it's kind of you're having to balance what your needs are from these body parts and the quality of the body itself. And then that will determine, you know, how much uh, score it will generate when you bury it into the ground. And then you have like your grave markers and a little fence that you can do different materials, give you better scores. Um, And there's this whole story that goes um, along with it as do with the Inquisition and cults and witch burning and uh, the Necronomicon, like all these weirdly dark things. Uh, So it's very campy, very entertaining. Um, I I think the pixel art is even just very beautiful and more cohesive than a lot of, um, than a lot of games out there in that sense. Um, Stardew Valley always felt a little, uh, nothing felt like it quite fit together aesthetically, whereas Graveyard Keepers, like I said, very uh, cohesive, very fluid, very pretty. At the end of the day, yeah, I'm looking at
0: it right now. It does it does look very pretty. Um, do do you find that the 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 joy of this game and these kinds of games is creating your little diorama world? your little, your little ant farm, or is it something else? Is it story? Is it, uh, you know, this, this kind of ghoulish humor, what do you find to be the primary reason that keeps you coming back that many hours? I
2: think people are, I think this is the kind of game that appeals to people who like management Sims or management systems, you know, Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, my husband's really into this game. We're both huge, um, civilization fans. And um, I'm also into uh, tower defense and things like that. And when I think about all those games, I think about the careful planning and balance and all these things being held in your mind all at once and how pleasing it is to get it right. And so I think that's a little bit of it. Like as I'm playing this game at night sometimes and my husband and I will game on our gaming laptop side by side in bed at night. And then like the games we're playing, we'll we'll rotate through. And as I've been playing Graveyard Keeper this summer, he has been playing this like... Property Management Simulator.
0: And I think there's... Are you sure he's not just buying property? I know.
2: It's like, it's called
0: Redfin? I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Uh,
2: which actually has been talking about flipping property now. And I'm like, you know what? Just because the game taught you, honey, this is not... No.
0: Um, like, it's funny you bring that up, honey, because I've been thinking about... Digging up corpses.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I did think it was funny that, in a sense, we were both playing management simulators, like a property management (laughs) simulator. And it just makes me think – people uh i think the sense of order appeals to people but also the sense that you're cleaning something up and tidying something up and keeping it managed <laughs> right. it kind of feels right. good most of us can't achieve it in our real life i am way better at maintaining my graveyard than i am my condo so <laughs> you know, it makes you feel somewhat accomplished and like you have some small part of your life all put together you know but when i think about the systems that you keep in balance in a game like this or in civilization, I think back to being in high school and learning geometry and learning all the systems and rules and trigonometry, all those things that were kept in balance all the time. They had to, all these factors flooding in all at one time that you're having to, I just, I like that. I like it very much. So game like this you bring all those things together then on top of it it you know it's kind of a whole package thing because you still got it's got a very strong narrative especially for a crafting survival game you know which i really appreciate and it's very dark and campy on top of everything and i have to admit i'm i love sacrilegious things as well so i love that it has that going on as well because it's very dark comment on monetizing religion it's um and there's a lot of things you do in the game where if you really think about it, you're like, I am the most terrible person. Like the first thing they ask you to do is to eat flesh that you've stripped off of a cadaver. You know, you're always making things like from the ashes of a body, from the salt from a body. I'm, right. I'm making candles from human fat. It's like <laughs> I like this is this is really, really like if you think about it too much, it's very dark, but it's packaged in a way that, you know, it's clearly can't be fun fantasy. So it's just um very tongue-in-cheek
0: sounds sounds like it needs to come to switch is what it sounds like.
2: everyone has been saying that i you know if you were to look up that that game right now on google and you put it in graveyard keeper the next thing that's going to pop up is that word switch and i feel like that's the number one question people have been asking and that was the first thing my husband asked too and i was like that's right i know you want to sit there with that switch up in your face and it's a lot easier than having a laptop on your lap while you're sitting in bed um you know, if it does come to switch, oh, good for them. But I am not starting another file, not for a third time. <laughs> I am not doing this.
0: <laughs> well, it's, uh, I know that Nintendo has a Nindies uh, uh, Direct this week coming up, so maybe this will be one of the games they announce. And we'll find out. Uh, a a very uh, cool recommendation, though. It's only uh, twenty bucks on Steam, as I'm seeing it right now. So
2: yeah, good price. A
0: graveyard Keeper.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely addicting. Highly recommend.
1: <laughs> cool.
0: Uh, Christian, how about you? What's on your playlist?
1: It's still Dead Cells. Um, I'm not sure, well, there has to be another game, but, uh, this is a game that I am playing a lot of that I'm almost not sure if I'm ever going to beat either, where the way it forces me, I don't want to project and say you, a universal you, the way it forces me to play differently every time as that, you know, you're, you're getting your, um, upgrades that last your lasting upgrades and unlocks and stuff but as you start getting deeper and deeper into the game as the first few boards become easier as you are, are buffed a little more um and then running those areas without the exact loadout that you want is such a a, a, a brain scramble for me where traditionally when i play this not even this type of game, but when I play what my brain thinks is this type of game, right? A metroidvania or a platformer, um, or a combat platformer, like maybe Guacamelee or something, which I have not started playing Guacamelee 2 yet. I'm very excited, but I, I haven't, I haven't made time for it yet. So I apologize to people that wanted me to talk about that this week. Um, but as I progress through the game in those games, it's like, okay, you find the weapons you love, you've powered them up, or you're unlocking new weapons, so you're clearly using those now, and you learn to love them and learn to play with them. In this game, um <laughs> you won't... It's like, I really like a freeze build a lot in the way I play, and sometimes I don't get a high-powered ice weapon in any way, shape, or form. So it's like, now I'm running with fire grenades and a shield. It's like, I don't I don't want either one of these, but then if I commit to them, you can, they play very well. Some weapons are still garbage and will always be garbage. <laughs> but so much of the game is kind of re rolling my head around what the game is, is, is forcing me to do that I find both very rewarding, but also extremely frustrating when I get into later parts of the game where it's like, if I just had, oh, I, I know what i would have done with this if i had level six ice grenades right now or you know whatever like blame the game not the player i think that's how the that famous quote goes um but i love this game jeff i have not bounced off of it yet it is um i'm piling up corpses that that i can send to holly to bury for me
2: (laughs) i I know what i know just what to do with them
1: I
0: think you are the corpses in, in that, in this game, Christian. I, think-
1: I am. I am the corpses. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's still a very well-made beautiful game that as you replay those early boards, I'm able to see more of the the art and like the parallax and stuff like that. And, and the, the level design um, artistically going into it, that is kind of like listening to an album over and over again. That is a little different every time you hear it. It's, it's incredible.
0: I agree. Very, very good game. I have uh, not played it in a while because WoW has consumed my very existence. Um, obviously, talked about WoW a lot last week. I level capped this Ooh. week, uh, 120. So it took a little longer than some, but uh, I'm I'm so pleased. My, my Windwalker Monk is uh, 120. And uh, I think this expansion is exceptional. I really do. And it has... I, I really had a great time with Legion, which was the last, uh, wow expansion. And I, I, really enjoyed it at the time, but playing this one makes me realize the faults of Legion and, uh, how much that milieu and that look and feel of all the demon and demon world stuff was fine and and cool. Whatever is all metal and great and fell magic with greens and demon hunters and all that stuff. And it was, it was great. It was fun at the time, but I am so much more enjoying what they have done with the new areas that that came alongside this expansion especially on the alliance side i think the horde got the short end of the stick on this one man i think the, the hoarder they deserve it because they're filthy horde but uh, as an alliance player always um i love the the kul area the new island called, called kul which has got this really wonderful Sea shanty, Pirates of the Caribbean style, like uh, foggy ships and pirates. And it's just such a cool milieu. And there's like this whole Cthulhu side. And then there's this whole like uh, one of the major areas is basically all – sort of haunted mansion Disney style, like where witches are taking over. It's almost Blair witch. Like they're like totems and really scary bone totems everywhere. They have to destroy the, the first er- place you get to in that new area. Uh, you come to this town and everybody's frozen in place. And there's this giant totem in the center of the town. And you're like, this is wrong. How do we, all the people are like the mayor is frozen in place, nailing a sign to the wall that says, Hey, everybody watch out. There's witches. (laughs) You know, it's, it's so rad. Um, and it has been such a joy doing all of the, the questing content. I'm still doing all of the quests that, uh, you know, even though they're not giving me any XP anymore, I'm still doing them because I enjoy them. And I want to highlight what I think are, three of my favorite quests that I've ever experienced in wow. In 14 years of wow. Now the yes, indeed. Wow. (laughs) Uh, These, (laughs) these will be sort of minor spoilers for people that want to experience them, but they are not uh, central to the storyline of the expansion or the universe. These are very optional. In fact, very easily missed, which is one of the things I love about them is that they are so beautifully designed and fun. And yet, so easily could just be missed because they're on a little side Island that you could easily not visit. Um, So I, I found myself on this Island off of uh, one of the pirate areas and I ran into uh, three characters that were standing on top of this, Rooftop that kind of overlooks the sea, and there's fishing rods and uh, boats har- at harbor and uh, docked there, uh, and uh, it's a cool little area. And you take this quest called uh, the Deadliest Cache, I think it's called, and uh, one of the the people of these three people starts telling the story like, "Oh, you you should have been here earlier. I I caught the biggest fish. It was the most amazing thing you've ever seen." And the other characters are, are all going like, no, 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 they don't believe, don't believe her. She's, she's, she lying. And you proceed to, she go, let me tell you the tale. And then you proceed to take over her body in a classic, like, you know, Wayne's world,
1: <laughs>
0: you're playing out her telling of this story, this tall tale of the great moment where she got this crazy catch and she's like, yeah, you're not going to believe it. I was standing here just fishing and there were sharks, sharks on land, land sharks. And I had to fight them off. And then you're you're doing it. And you've got her abilities, which are completely different than your abilities. This is something that WoW does a lot where you inhabit an, a, a new character or a new vehicle or something for a short period of time. And you have cool new abilities. But her abilities were super cool. She had this like chain uh, that she could shoot, and then it would pull her to an enemy, and she could smash him and kill him and stuff. Uh, so you get to be feel OP and and do this, and you're like killing all these sharks that are literally in bubbles on land swimming around. It's hilarious and fun, and she's like telling this tall tale of of what happened, and and as she's telling it, you're you're hearing the other characters like, "That's not what happened. That didn't happen," and uh and then you finish that. And, you know, you, you kill this, uh, giant shark like that. She's like, and then the biggest shark ever came. And, uh, and then the next person goes, that's nothing. You gotta, you should have been here last Tuesday when I did that. And then you do his, like, you experience his, and he's telling you about, uh, this time that this, these tentacles busted up, uh, the, the, the dock and we're causing havoc and he grabs he's got like this bazooka and so you shoot this bazooka at these tentacles and you shoot them and it knocks you up into the air every time you shoot it so you go like 40 50 feet up in the air every time you blast this bazooka because you're sort of rocket jumping like the old you know quake days and uh you get to play that and then there's a giant tentacle monster that comes out of the sea and you attack that and then the third character is this guy who's standing there in a old diving bell helmet, you know, like those old, old timey diving bell helmets. Yeah. And everything he says is, cause you can't understand him. Cause he's in the diving bell helmet. He has no shirt on, but he's got a diving bell helmet. So he's like, and then it goes, so you're in his telling of this tale and you can't understand what he's saying. Like Kenny from South park or something. So, You have no idea what you're supposed to do in this scenario because every other thing, the quest is like, you know, kill 10 land sharks or whatever in order to do it. And the quest for him is "Ah, 10. ah." So you're like, you have no idea what you're doing because he's telling his story. Just so brilliant. You end up walking down to the water and there's a dolphin there and you click on the dolphin and he leaps on the back of the dolphin and he's holding on for dear life. And then you're controlling the dolphin that has fricking lasers on his head and you're swimming under the water as he's holding on, like riding a bucking Bronco on the back of this dolphin. And you're shooting this laser at creatures underneath the ocean and killing them. I mean, it is just so clever and so wild. And then you come back and you, you know, you they're all talking about how they had the greatest story. And it it is content that means nothing. It didn't further a bigger story. It wasn't there for any other reason than to just be delightful. You can do it in any order. It gives you XP. It it you know, I think you get some gold and some items, but it's just an example of how Blizzard has jam-packed their universe full of easily missable stuff that's all beautifully designed, that gives you new kind of experiences, that takes you into places that you wouldn't expect. And, and I mean, those are three examples that are some of, I think, the best ever in the game. But this expansion is just chock full of really wonderfully thought out ways to use the structure that really is an old antiquated structure of WoW. And layer and layer and layer on it new and fun and interesting ways to delight you and i'm just have been having such a great time with it It
1: reminds me conceptually of one of my favorite games from last gen of uh call of war as gunslinger the idea of the unreliable narrator and you inhabiting his tall tale and then like seeing that Happen in the world and in that game people would be like there weren't 20 soldiers because you walk into your like there are 20 soldiers and you're like oh crap they're like there are only five and then 15 <laughs> of them go away and you're like oh cool i can take out five <laughs> it's right. really fun it's really fun yeah
0: i mean i've been having so much fun with it and and i'm going to be playing well WoW a lot this year so i'm sure you'll hear me talk more you know now that i'm level cap and i'm doing world quests i've had to you know grind rep in the three different factions and hit level 120 and and do certain expedition quests in order to get to being able to do world quests. Now that I'm doing world quests, I'll, I'll get my eye level higher to then get into the j- dungeons proper and then move on to heroic dungeons. And then the first raid will come out September 4th. So, you know, the the roadmap is clear. I'm sure I'll be talking about this a lot more if you guys can stand me talking about it more. But then again, Sp- Spider-Man's on the horizon, too. So who knows? But uh, I I... I just love this game. I love it. I have loved it for many, many years and I'll, I'll wane on it as I always do. But for now I'm, I'm just, it's a delight and every spare second. I'm trying to get back into Azeroth and do more stuff. All right. uh, Let's uh, let's move on. But first I want to thank our other sponsor, which is Skillshare. Oh my gosh. If you are like me and you have uh, a love of learning, truly a lifelong love of learning, Skillshare is an amazing resource. It's an amazing thing. It's an online learning platform with over twenty thousand classes. These classes are in a wide range of topics, business, design, technology, game design. You can take uh, courses that'll teach you how to make a game from scratch. you'll you'll you can teach like uh, get courses in video editing and creative writing. any of the stuff that we talk about on this show, the way that games are, are made the way they're thought through all of that stuff, the the nuts and bolts of using unity. It's all there on Skillshare and so much more. Uh, One of the classes that uh, caught my eye and I I started watching was street photography, capture the life of your city. What a cool thing. What a cool thing. I don't know anything about street. I don't know anything about photography. I point my thing and I take a picture of my kid, but I am fascinated by street photography. The, the place that Christian and I go into work every day just has a new, uh, a display of the, these like street photography, um, uh, all of these, all these photos of skaters, like guys on skateboards and all around and sort of uh, in urban and uh, in all, all over the world, not just uh, in America. And it, they're so striking. And it's like, here's a class that shows you what, makes them striking, what you can do, how you can capture your city in really interesting ways. So you can go out and like, look at things with a brand new eye, fresh eye. I just love stuff like that. I love expanding my horizons. I love, um, learning about things and Skillshare makes it possible. Skillshare. If you want to get new skills to actually make money in a new area, Skillshare can help, but I like it. What I'm talking about with this sort of street photography thing, just in things that make that spark my interest, that make me excited to learn about, excited to know more about. So check this out. You can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with our special offer. This is just for DLC listeners. You get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering DLC listeners just two months, not just two months, offering DLC listeners two months for just... 99 cents, that's unlimited access to over 20,000 classes, and it's just 99 cents, that's incredible. Sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash DLC, again, that's Skillshare.com slash DLC to start your two months now, that's Skillshare, dot ecom slash DLC. We got some great quick questions to talk through this week. These are of course, were sent in by you, our listeners. You can do it in two different ways. You can send them to DLC at gmail.com. The subject line quick questions. We love seeing them there. Uh, there's also a sticky thread in our subreddit that you can access by going to 5 by5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, the first quick question comes from SFC Robdo. Uh, he is in our our subreddit. He says, or she says, uh, what aspect of your life is better now because you play video games? Hand-eye coordination is cheating unless you're a surgeon. So Holly, I ask you, what aspect of your life is better now because you play video games?
2: Um... Well, this is actually something I talk a lot a, about a lot in my line of work, and you can look at that that up later online if, if you want to. Um, I wrote about this for Polygon a number of years ago, but um, I actually used video games to help get in shape. And I, cool. yeah, I have a condition that's called reflex neurovascular dystrophy. It's something very similar to fibromyalgia, and um, a number of years ago, you know, I decided I wanted to improve my mobility, but the idea of struggling in public was really unappealing to me. So I became like the world's biggest, maybe even the first giant dance central fan. Like I was just the biggest cheerleader for that game and I still use it to this day actually. Um, so yeah, that's probably one of the most awesome things it's done for me.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. Uh, Christian, how about you? What do you, what do you, how would you answer this? What aspect of your life is better now because you play video games?
1: friendships um people i've met through my love of games in general and the shared passion and people i've met you know at conferences or online playing games with them or just talking video games on social media listening to podcasts it's it really is while well, there certainly is and it's undeniable there's certainly toxicity in the community there are also wonderful um women and men that play and make games who are giving and thoughtful and caring and um are just wonderful people to spend time with and i don't know uh, i don't want to think about my life without the gaming community in it and uh that's that's been the biggest thing for me
0: yeah it's hard for me to think of an aspect of my life that isn't better because i play video games i mean i i played them for so long and so much of my life that uh it's really crafted the person that i am but i you know, I, I think friendship's a, a great one. I think taste <laughs> the way I, uh, the way I interpret, uh, art has been affected by video games. The way, uh, interactivity in, in works of art has changed the way I appreciate all art. That's a pretty big thing. Uh, how I, uh, how I think about storytelling, how I think about uh, communicating to both me, the, the gamer and, my you know how what i do for a living communicating my love of games to other people but you know how games communicate to me and and the the tools they use the shorthand they use i i think video games have uh improved my life in myriad ways and i'm i think this is a cool question but hard for me to pinpoint
1: just one uh, and mean, also hand-eye coordination yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Uh, this one comes from Mr. Yan, Mr. Yan in our, uh, forum says quick question. I recently did a destiny Two raid with a pickup group from discord. After we finished, someone announced that he had been streaming us and our voice chat to his small audience. We did not know this going into the raid team. How do you think streamers should handle randoms? Not necessarily knowing when they're on a broadcast. What do you think, Holly?
2: You know, when I read this question in advance, I thought it's you know, I don't think that's um even really a a tuffy. I think um, you know, if someone hops into your game or whatever, you can just be like, "Hey, heads up, we're streaming." And then they can leave if they want or they can stay if they want. It could be a little bit like when you're on you're listening to the radio and like every 9 minutes they're like this is the weather and now it's five, five seventeen. you know, and, and you just,
0: I'll tell you we're streaming on the fives and ten. Exactly. Like you can yeah. just check
2: in every once in a while and just let people know that you're doing that and just quick little common courtesy.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's the respectful thing to do. I, I also think, I, I mean, maybe I would watch different streamers than most or stream myself different than most, but it, it seems odd to me that, you wouldn't know, like, are they not talking to their streaming audience as you're playing? I guess they could mute you in a way. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's the decent thing to do to let people know that you're, you're on a stream. Christian, what do you think?
1: Yeah, that's the answer to the should. I And I have not looked it up and I am no longer an attorney, blah, 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 blah. Um, the, the should is let your, let people know the Interesting question that I might do a little research on after this, I did not do beforehand, is how this plays into um, an authorized recording of someone. And for example, prank calling, do you need to have two-way consent or just one-way consent? Um, And how can that consent be given? I would guess that the argument you would make um, if you recorded someone without their knowledge, the, the expectation of privacy is not there in the same way in a video game. Where most people are aware that you're playing online and that streaming is the thing, it's not the same as a phone call where the expectation is it's between you and the people on the phone line with you that you are talking to. That but may even sure. be
0: covered in the terms of service of either the game itself or the the you know like Xbox Live and PSN. I mean, it may be buried in there somewhere that they're you know absolved of any kind of liability
1: well i'm not talking about necessarily going after the corporation as much as i am the person um right but i mean i
0: think dream. you there may be language in those you know ULAs that say you know y- y- by playing on our service you understand that you may be broadcast or recorded at any you know who
1: knows perhaps yeah that's a good point it, it might be there but yeah the, the should is let people know and i think the the prank streams that exist out there are annoying and there's better ways to do people are like you know i go into unsuspecting stream, and they're like jerks or whatever like they partner up and then they just stream to their audience them being an idiot and like this player's getting so mad okay let's go to the base <laughs> they think we're gonna go to the base and it's just like that type of content does not appeal to me um but yeah tell people what you're doing don't be a jerk about it and then let them make an informed decision right
0: i think so yeah and I think, I think it, it mostly applies to your teammates. Who, if you can hear their voice, I think that's you know it's your your duty to let them know. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from my old friend Scooby Diesel eighty seven in our chat. Uh, he says, "Quick question: What is one feature you wish all video games had?" Mine would be time played or all systems doing what Nintendo has been doing with the three DS, Wii, etc., with the tracker built into the system. I loved that. So he wants. Uh, every single game to show you the time played. I think that would be useful. Uh, But Holly, do you have one feature that you wish all video games had besides corpse management?
2: (laughs) Um, Two thoughts on a, Okay, so I play a lot of adventure, you know, exploration games. I really loved what they did in Breath of the Wild where you could get that tracker through the DLC where it would show everywhere you'd ever walked all over the whole place. I would would love it if more games did that. But on a grander level, more cross-platform play. Oh, my Mm. goodness gracious. That's what I want more than anything. Cross-platform play.
0: I wonder if we're going to see this Bethesda seems to be make, making a stand on this. And it, I wonder if we're going to see that actually yield results with regard to Sony. And maybe, maybe we'll see a sea change coming with that, but I agree, boy, you're right. That would be, that would be great. Christian, how about you? What one feature do you wish all games
1: had? So I think I know what yours is going to be, Jeff, and I don't want to step on it. Really? But, well, maybe to, just to guess, I can just guess. Yeah, because I've,
0: I I don't feel like I have an obvious one, but maybe there's something that I'm not even thinking of for myself.
1: Okay, well, don't don't jump in. I mean, we can have the conversation. Mine is a cousin of what I thought yours would be. I thought yours would be Save Anywhere. Mm, That's real good. Yeah, I should have thought of that. That is good. I didn't (laughs) think of it, but yeah, Save Anywhere for sure. So mine is a cousin of that, and mine is the ability to walk away anywhere. I understand that some games want to drive tension and not allow you to save, reload, save, reload, save, reload, and that giving me the option i will abuse it i will i will take a step save go around a corner save and i understand that a developer might not see that as the, the way in which they want you to play their game but uh, i have two young children and a, a wife and other responsibilities and if i'm in the middle of a long cut scene i'd like to be able to pause it just I, however you do it and it's easier now with like the switch and sleep modes and stuff like that but i want every game to have a I can walk away <laughs> however they okay. want to handle it. Whether it's a save a pause or something I can walk away. That'd be mine.
0: Hard to do that with multiplayer games. But yes.
1: <laughs> yes. If I'm online, I get it. like, if I'm in a multiplayer match or something, yes, I get it. But um, yeah, yes.
0: So you're right. That was way better than mine. That's I should have gone with <laughs> save anywhere. Cause that's what I re- I really wish all games had was save anywhere. I want you're too, that. You're
1: too constant. over since we can confirm to have been save anywhere and custom thumbnail. Yeah. I mean, custom thumbnail is
0: just my weird fetish, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I definitely want to save anywhere. I want to change mine to save anywhere, but what I was going (laughs) to say is, uh, fully customizable controls Mm. has to have, I wish every video game, there's no excuse for not being able to just completely change the controls to whatever Mm -hmm. I want. Um, sounds like a
1: real lefty talking.
0: (laughs) here. Yes. A real lefty talking. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, if you don't let me map the buttons however I damn well please, then what are you even doing making video games? Um, yeah. So, but yeah, that's I, a good but, one. but I also think save anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, and finally, this one comes from Prince Y. He says, uh, "Love the work you and Christian put into each episode." My quick question is this: If you could be a fly on the wall at any game studio, where would you go? Holly, fly on the wall at a game studio?
2: Can I? It's okay. I'm going to break the rule just a little bit. Instead of Game Studio, can I just follow Swurry around wherever he goes and just like
0: (laughs) – Just because it would be super weird all the time? Well, you know,
2: the funny thing is is running into him is always this crazy adventure. Like the first time I even met him, it ended up with him buying me and my friends all drinks at the bar and – Um, you know, he's kind of a famous figure around the Seattle area because of his love of Twin Peaks and the whole Delhi Premonition thing. And two of my journalist friends out here actually ran into him randomly at the Falls, Snoqualmie Falls, and took a picture with him. And it was just the most – he's just walking David Lynch, like, in the flesh, like he said.
0: (laughs) You know know that David Lynch also walks. But just
2: like he's he's a David Lynch character, just drifting through life. (laughs) Oh, I see. And I just – so yeah like if i could just ghost that guy for a little while just like walk around and be his groupie like (laughs) that
0: is that is a very good that is a very good answer i like that very much uh christian how about you fly on the wall
1: if i'm a fly on the wall that can understand languages i don't currently understand um it would be nintendo first party Uh, i'm going to be broad and just say all nintendo first party i think those discussions must be fascinating from design and development and all of that stuff if i cannot speak uh japanese or understand what they're talking about i think hanging out in um i'm split part of me wants to hang out at naughty dog just because i love their games i think that'd be really fun and then the other part of me that well i'm answering giving three answers by the way uh <laughs> no, i'm noticing would be blizzard um because they have such a it's it's again Blizzard as a whole like I'd love to sit in and like wow and how that game started and what it evolved to and what's the Hearthstone team doing and over it's so many different kinds of games that all you know share a similar DNA and are trying to be the only game you play I think that would be absolutely fascinating so Nintendo if I could learn if I could understand Japanese Naughty Dog from a narrative standpoint see how they break their stories and and you know flesh out their worlds and then Blizzard um, I'd be a very tired fly because I'd be bouncing from room to room.
0: Very tired, multilingual fl- fr- fly. <laughs>
1: um,
0: you, you gave so many answers, you were bound to step on mine. Uh, and of course, uh, I would have said Blizzard. Uh, you know, I think this question basically comes down to like, what's your favorite developer? Although Holly came up with a much better answer <laughs> than either of us. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Blizzard fanboy. Uh, I will confess to that any day of the week. And I just think, I've spent more time in their games than any other studio. I'm more impressed with their games. I feel like their games have a level of polish and perfection that is all too rare. And seeing like that, I mean, I would love to be a fly on the wall at blizzard for the failed games. Like, you know, Titan, whatever that was going to be. The fact that they canceled it, like, I want to be a fly on the wall. The conversation that goes, "Hey, we put however many years of development, however many millions of dollars of development, we've got a working prototype. It's not good enough, you know." Starcraft Ghost, we showed it at E3. Jeff Kanata played it. He can't hear us right now because there's no way this fly is him. <laughs> uh, and you know, and yet we're gonna axe it because it doesn't live up to our standards. Like, what is that conversation like? that level of of commitment to quality i think is laudable and would be so interesting i mean it's kind of like what i was talking about with skillshare just no just learning being near people that are so at the top of their game i think would be so interesting
1: i like the idea that you're that fly and then like the boss just walks in and she's like, Hey, you know, we worked really hard on this. We're going to cancel the game. And everybody's like, okay, cool. And you're sitting there like, dang it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it all. <laughs>
0: I'm going to buzz around somewhere. else. I'm going to go learn Japanese. <laughs> uh, awesome. Thanks again, everybody for your quick questions. We appreciate them. Uh, please keep them coming. We, we get them over at, uh, at our subreddit. There's a sticky thread there. If you want to post or, Uh, Even better, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, we're going to wrap the show up now. We do have a parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. Holly Green, thank you so much for being here. You have been awesome.
2: Thank you so much. I didn't prepare very well, so I'm feeling like I did a pretty good job, all things
0: considered. <laughs> well, you fit right in because we never prepare, so it's uh, seat of the pants every week. So uh, I would love to have you back. You have been you've been awesome. I've really enjoyed talking to you. So thank thank
2: you, you guys so much for having me.
0: Sure thing. Where, where can people follow you and your work online? Um,
2: of course, over at, uh, Pace Magazine over in the game section. Um, I freelance a couple of places, but really the best place, centralized location. You can find all my stuff over on Twitter. Winners use drugs. Yep.
1: (laughs) Winners Winners use use drugs. drugs.
2: Just hit that follow button. (laughs) Love it. Christian,
0: how about you? Uh, what do you got going on this week?
1: Uh, well, you mentioned soft launch, so um, we can Review is on um, hiatus. Uh, expect it to be a, a long one, I think, but uh, a show we're very proud of, and, and hopefully we'll come back and we'll talk about it. You'll hear about it if, if and when it does.
0: Yes, we definitely want to take a second and thank everybody who <laughs> went through all the effort that it took to find it, to watch it uh, during our soft launch. Uh, the softest of launches it's so soft never really launched like Um, warm
1: brie on a summer
0: day yeah uh, we're super proud of those episodes and we want to do more of them and maybe we'll get a chance to at some point but uh Mm -hmm. for now don't expect more of them um uh but yes thank you for watching and you could still go back and watch old ones if you didn't get around to it um they're available on your website right christian
1: yeah i have a page set up christianspicer.com slash week in review uh, week I in review you can find those there otherwise twitter is a good way to keep in touch at spicer i am on twitch uh twitch.tv slash christian spicer i i keep hoping to stream more maybe now i'll have a little more time to get back to regular streaming and then you can find me on instagram christian underscore spicer uh jeff what about you
0: I'm on Twitter at Jeff Canada, and I do a show about movies and TV shows called the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at Slash Filmcast.com. This week we're talking about uh, The Happy Time Murders, which should be an entertaining episode, to say the least. All right. uh, Let's wrap the show up with our parting gifts.
2: Hey, give us a suggestion.
0: Holly, do you have a suggestion to help people get through
2: their week? Go to the movies. That's what I've been doing lately. I play so many video games that my brain is starting to get a little burnt out and no longer know the difference between fun and work. So I decided to spread my interests out a little bit and dabble in some other mediums. And I actually went out to a movie. I went and saw Sorry to Bother You and it was and it mm. was really good. So I highly recommend it. Yes
0: i would definitely second that uh sorry about you is incredible
1: and will blow your mind for sure um christian how about you you got a parting gift yeah this one was uh inspired by you jeff um go wherever city you live in go to a good vegetarian restaurant um take the chance i think you're really gonna like it i am a vegetarian have been for years i'm not telling you to be a vegetarian but there's really good vegetarian food out there and hopefully it's one that most of the menu isn't trying to pretend it's meat, which that can be good also, but there are better choices than, um, meatless loaf. Like just be a delicious dish. Um, I know Jeff, we, you had 2 we We're slowly converting you. Yeah, this,
0: uh, uh, this, you, you said it was inspired by me, but not because I recommend people go to a vegetarian restaurant. It's because I tried to resist going to a vegetarian restaurant <laughs> and I enjoyed it so much that I begged we go back. So, yes, uh, yes. yeah, I am. I am a example of, uh somebody that didn't think that they would want to not have the meat and uh, enjoyed very much a good vegetarian restaurant as we went together
1: and i will i will give the shout out to the place in la if you're in la go to crossroads it is on melrose in uh hollywood, west hollywood and it is phenomenal there are others as well but that is the particular restaurant that we went to recently and i've had the pleasure to be there a couple of times and it is always amazing so do a little work get out of your comfort zone give it a shot and i bet you will like it as well
0: We have a listener-suggested parting gift, which you can send in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from John Benton. He says, check out a book series called The Dresden Files. The quick pitch is Harry Dresden is a wizard living in current-day Chicago who also plays D&D with his friends and relates his moral dilemmas to (laughs) Spider-Man. It has amazing action, a mountain of recurring characters, and just about every creature you can think of from horror, fantasy, and myth. There are 15 books so far with more on the way. The audiobooks are great and narrated wonderfully by James Marsters and the universe also includes a tough as nails cooperative card game. He prefers the digital version as well as a comic book series and there's a canceled TV show we don't speak of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So again, that's the Dresden Files books. Uh, I, you know, I've been meaning to read these and I just haven't gotten around to it. I've been meaning to read one of them. Uh, I would, I wish John had added, which one is the perfect one to start with. Do you start at the beginning of the series or is there a better way to do it? Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, we need to do that. Speaking of books, my parting gift is a, a, a bit older than those. It is one of my original favorite books really of any kind. When I was a kid, it was, it was my favorite science fiction book. It's the book that got me into science fiction and gave me a voracious, insatiable appetite for science fiction And that is Isaac Asimov's The Foundation Novels. Uh, I bring this up because we got word this week that The Foundation Novels are becoming a TV series. Uh, I think David Goyer is writing it. And I think it's going to be on Apple. Is that right? It's going to be like Apple's new streaming service. Anyway, uh, before these come out, before the TV show comes out and probably ruins it, but hopefully it won't, uh, just read the books. They're great. They're short. They're so incredibly imaginative. Uh, the idea of the foundation is that there's this fellow named Harry Seldon who comes up with something called psychohistory, which basically is a mathematical formula that takes into account every variable in the universe and thus can predict the future because he can map out through science, map out what will happen in the future. And based on that, he establishes something called the foundation, which will influence history in big at big moments and big inflection points through through time and push humanity to more uh more advantageous areas so there's this vault that'll open every hundred years i think it is and there's a video that plays of harry selden telling the people what they need to do to make sure the humanity goes right it's incredibly cool and it goes to some really fun unexpected places Uh, so I I highly recommend it. It it, it sparked my imagination as a young kid. Uh, The foundation novels by Isaac Asimov. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Holly green and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat rooms for hanging out with all of us in real time. We appreciate you guys being here and making the show better. We also appreciate our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan and zero star for making those cool bumpers. We appreciate you for tuning in and listening, for downloading the show, for maybe even, I don't know, recommending us to a friend. Help get the word out. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put
2: out into the world. Make it a better place.